Welcome everybody to Pipe Bomb Radio NYC. Sponsored by Raz Energy, Steiner Sports, and Super Draft Pro. Here is your host, Ricky, a.k.a. The Prez, Litwinkowicz. And this is Pipe Bomb Radio NYC Live Concert Series. We had Goo Goo Dolls with Iris live from Buffalo. And then we had Panama Van Halen. And we are now joined by Playhouse. How's it going, guys? Hey, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. How's it going, man? Hey, everyone. Hi. I'd like to introduce you guys to my long-term friend, Mark, and my homeboy all the way from Sweden, Mr. Lars. It's an honor to have you guys on. Thank you, guys. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, bud. So I I have to kind of pry a little bit. All right, you guys have been around since 1987, which is yeah, that 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 is in itself uh, an extreme accomplishment. When you've been around since 87, we're now in 22, so it's a really long time coming. Um, what was it like in the beginning for you guys? Uh, I'll, I'll let Eric answer that one. Well. <laughs> In the beginning, uh, I mean, I was in a band called Heads Incorporated, and we played in a Montreal West Battle of the Bands, where we went up against a whole bunch of bands, including Pete and Danny, uh, in a band called Future at the time. And then, and once that was over, I don't know, maybe eight months later, I got a call, and I was recruited to this band. And the history was written, I guess. Uh, in the beginning. I mean, can I say we busted our asses off? I mean, uh, handing out flyers, jamming every day. I mean, I spent more time with these guys than my own family. So uh, it's, uh, I don't know, take it away, Pete. <laughs> well, that's pretty much the origin story. And then, uh, like Eric said, I mean, if you guys know anything about the 80s, have you seen the movie Rockstar? Yes. Well, for us, that was literally our lives. When we watched that movie, we're like, what's the big deal? That's what we lived every day during the 80s, right? So to us, um, it was a wild time, man. We Our first run was about eight years. Uh, we toured a lot, played a lot of shows, opened for a lot of big bands. Um, you know, at one point, uh, we were selling out Thousand Seaters ourselves, you know? We had yep. built up to that level. And then, uh, like all of us, uh, you know, we, we saw the cracks starting to happen. And uh, like a many of the band uh, in 94, uh, we sat down and we're like, let's take a cigarette break. And that break lasted, you know, about 17 years. We weren't broken up, but we weren't active either. We were talking and stuff, but... Uh, in 2013 14 we got the ball rolling again and uh we brought on mr steve creep and uh who's been in the picture the whole time by the way he was in the picture from 92 i think so um 
and here we are, man. Pretty much the whole original lineup. Well, it's it's actually kind of ironic because I believe Steve has got the uh, Van Halen background going on back there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we fit, and we lead you guys in with Panama. There's some irony right there. Yeah, fantastic. All right, I'm gonna throw some questioning over to Lars because I know Lars has got a lot of questions. So, um, like when you're growing up, what artists and bands were you all three listening to most? Oh, I'm a big, big fan of Black Sabbath. I think that's the band that changed my life. Uh, yeah. the first time I heard Paranoid, well, that was it. You know, I had to, I didn't even know anything about the band. So I bought every record except for the album Paranoid. <laughs> and um, so I really got to know them and then it moved on to all kinds of other things. I was playing a lot of acoustic guitar back in the day and some friends introduced me to a song called Eruption. And uh, man, that's uh, I dropped my acoustic pretty quickly and um, went right to the electric and had to learn how to play that. Got me into bands and which led me to Playhouse. And uh, and uh, you know I've listened to a lot of the other bands too. Like uh, you know, uh, Kiss was a big influence in me back in the day. Just being such a flashy band, all the explosions and fire and costumes and uh, oh, yeah. I was pretty, pretty impressed. That, uh, impressionable kid, you know, it was nineteen. 78 i think i saw it was my first concert seeing them wow yeah so uh you know I, but um i have all kinds of influence i love everything from allison chains to Dawkins to uh bon jovi to i mean uh just about everything really you know all right we're gonna go to the man in the middle now what do you got for your uh, musical influences i mean without saying i think van halen obviously but yeah, like Eric, one of the first things that caught my eye was uh, Kiss. You know, you're four years old. He you saw that made-for-TV movie. Was it Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park? Yeah, man. And it's like your your rock stars are also superheroes. I mean, what more do you want, right? The biggest things in the '70s were Kiss and Star Wars, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's uh, pretty much what still is uh, probably my favorite thing at the end of the day. But <laughs> I also really love Led Zeppelin. I mean, it's. There's no weak link in that band and there's no bad albums. So it's for me, no. the, the trifecta for me is definitely Van Halen, Kiss and Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I would, I would say the same for me. But, you know, like Eric, I, I expanded over the years. Like I, I like a lot of 70s punk too. So I like the Ramones and Sex Pistols and Clash. But I also like a lot of 90s, like the Alice in Chains, Don't Tip a Pilots. And, and even today, there's some, you got to dig a little bit more, but there's, there's good stuff out there. You just got to find it. What about you, Pete? Uh, for me, Kiss, Kiss was everything, man. Like, I remember getting my first Kiss record at the mall at seven years old, and uh, it was Kiss Alive. And when you open that cover, you see those four guys. I mean, there's no question what you want to do with your life, right? It's you're like, I want to be them, and uh, you know. You start building stages in your in your bedroom and in your basement, and you pick up your ten, parents' tennis rackets, and you take a marker and you put a big star in your eye, and then your kiss, right? So that's that went on for like Halloween every day. Yeah, exactly. And uh, then I saw Van Halen. Um, I saw that album, and uh, that that really blew me away. I mean wasn't just Eddie's guitar playing. It was, it was David Lee Ross vocal melodies and 
the way he delivered it. And from there, you know, it opened the gateways. But I also love bands like The Who, The Stones, Zeppelin, The Beatles, you know, like all that stuff just still magical. Okay, so there's the unanimous kiss thing. Does any one of you have an actual kiss tattoo? Uh, or kiss <laughs> I don't know. I have no tattoos. I'm still kind of on the fence of whether I should get one or not. <laughs> my, old bass, my old bassist, he was Italian, and he had the rock and roll over emblem on his shoulder. And his, his strict parents, he wasn't allowed to tell them that he had tattoos. So every time he would go down to breakfast every morning with his T-shirt covering his, his shoulder, right? He got them all strategically placed, but... No, I got I got a Boba Fett tattoo, but I don't have a, a kiss tattoo yet. If I met Ace Frehley, I'd probably get him to sign me somewhere, and I'll I'll tattoo it on. I, I think we go get some kiss tattoos the next time we're on the show. Uh, yeah. yeah, we'll deliver. Yeah. Well, <laughs> earlier in the show, I did share when in my band years way back when I was young, and I'm I kind of regret not following up on uh, doing the band scene and all. But I actually did open for Kiss at Jones Beach. And, no uh, way, bro. Yeah, nice, it, nice. And um, I, I was literally scared shitless standing next to Gene Simmons, full makeup, full outfit. And um, <laughs> he, he, what had, year? I, uh, shit, this was like early 2000s that I had gone. And um, wow. like you, like you guys, like you guys had, had taken the break. Like I had taken the break, but it was only for like two years. Uh, right. Guys were getting married. They're having kids, and they're of like, we, "We can't, we can't do band time or whatever." And then there's me, the uh, the single bastard, running around, being like, "I just want to play gigs and do whatever." But uh, he had, he had said, "Don't cut the long hair." Um, I recently did cut the long hair only because it was annoying the shit out of me. But uh, like he said to me, he goes, "You'd be, you are that like surprise out of the crackerjack box. Nobody's gonna know like the intelligence you have or." personality you're going to have just by looking at you with long hair so right. it's kind of like the the theory that's been going on since that moment but well uh, dude you're a legend in my book now bro if you if you even <laughs> kiss bro like yeah that's amazing man it's, that's it was it was kiss and poison it was like uh we even only, better bro like, we, it was like the stadium tour it was it was crazy because we only got like a month advance notice that they wow. needed the opening act and we were like okay let's go uh we went and it was an experience and a half but Imagine. i hate to say it seeing kiss in the stands is better than seeing kiss backstage of course, oh, yeah. I, you just you get more. You just get more aviance from the actual being in the crowd. Uh, of course, but Kiss is just yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the most disappointing that I've ever seen Kiss was from the second row because you're not, you're not getting the full spectrum of it. You're in the show at that point. Yes, I, I like to see him minimum ten rows back because now you get a you know a peripheral. Wait, one second. It's a lot to take in. And when you're in it, yeah. you're missing things. You know? Well, the only good thing from the second row is getting hit with all the blood from God of Thunder. Right. right. You know, I mean, that's that's virtually like the best spot for it, but you don't get to see yeah. the whole ordeal. Well, I, I didn't get any of that. I, I saw the tour with uh, Motley Crue, so we were getting all of Nikki Six's spit, and I got hit with Tommy Lee's drumstick, but I still have it. But nothing from Kiss, no guitar picks or anything from that show. Well, was that was that your favorite the uh, live show, or was there a, another one in particular? Because we are doing well, a live for, concert show. 
Well, I was elated because I, I love both those bands live. They're a lot of fun to to be at. But uh, right. it was it wasn't the best I ever saw Kiss. I'd say '96 when they reunited was my favorite. Yeah, that and maybe I saw it on '97. Pete, what was your your favorite concert ever to go to? Um, I have three. Go for it. Kiss '97. 90, that was the, that was the fourth time I saw Kiss. First time I saw them in makeup. Uh, Listen, I'm not a fan. I don't mind saying it. Vinnie Vincent was on guitar. Yeah. Uh, that was for Creatures of the Night. My favorite three concerts literally have been Kiss, Roger Waters, and uh, the Purple One Prince. Ooh. I never got to see him. Yeah, same. I saw Roger but I, Waters, but no Prince. Oh, 1984 was pretty sick. Um... But I, I listen. I've seen so many shows, like all you guys, right? So, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's hard to. But I saw I saw uh, Roger Waters just after he left Pink Floyd, and he had his first solo album, Prones and Cons of Hitchhiking, and uh, Eric Clapton was on guitar. Oh wow! So that was a treat, you know. So. Since it's, again, so I'm, I'm going to throw it over to Eric now. Since we are doing a live concert show on uh, Pipe Bomb Radio on the. 24th of June. Eric, what was your favorite concert to go to? Oh, one of them would be definitely Black Sabbath with uh, Nazareth as the opening act. I was there, bro. Yeah, imagine that was an insane show. Nazareth showed up about an hour late. They were drunk. Um, and then by the time Sabbath finished the show, the metros were closed. So the whole place, there was a big riot outside and it was insane. Uh, we ended up running all the way down to Little Burgundy to try to get the Metro there. It was just trying to escape that whole chaotic scene. Um, but uh, I think one of my probably just about every Van Halen show, I've seen so many of them, I can't count. Uh, uh, Joe Satriani would be another amazing show. I'd love, I, I've seen a few times. Uh, gosh, I've seen so many concerts. I can't even think of them all. Uh, Deep Purple, too. Um but I'd say, you know, Black Sabbath and Van Halen, definitely my top, top shows that I've seen. Kiss was awesome back in the beginning, but I was a kid in those days, you know, so I didn't really understand the whole scene at the time. I was just blown away by the whole show. So I guess that's probably the one of the most memorable since it had such an impact on me, you know, yeah. watching all these guys with their costumes and uh, just being introduced to that music in general. All the kids at that time were listening to disco and stuff, and I thought I was going to be a weird kid that didn't like music. I didn't like disco at all and um, you know it just didn't relate to me and then you know when I heard Paranoid from Sabbath well that just changed everything for me and it led me to all these other concerts um, so yeah that would be that would be it I would think you know Mark you got any questions for him if he's still alive I know that he's doing I'm alive sorry okay. I can't catch it to my mom I apologize guys right. um you guys mentioned that you've seen so many bands live. What's it like? What's it like when you're on stage and having and, and having your fans scream for you? That must be amazing. I don't hear anything. I got I I wear um, in ears because I play with a click track, so I can I have to learn to lip read Pete when he tries to tell me stuff on stage. <laughs> so I, I don't hear anybody yelling at me. They could be booing at me for all I know. <laughs> all I hear is. Doo! <laughs> we play so loud um it's amazing i can still hear it all 
um you know we're like motorhead loud you know i mean our jam rooms are insanely loud i mean other bands practically stop playing and come down the hall to watch us because they, they can't hear themselves play um you know <laughs> but uh, on stage i think for me it's uh it's depending on the stage especially if it's a if it's a risen stage uh, feeling that you know steve's you know bass drum just the kick drum just underneath my feet as I'm standing next to Pete and rocking out, man, and the rest of the guys, you know, it's uh, it's an amazing experience. I'm so comfortable with these guys on stage. It's like second nature. So um, I think I, you know, even the bad gigs, I love them all. I'll do it all again if I had to, <laughs> you know. Uh, for me, um, you know, when you play with the same guys for so long, like Eric said, it's like you're going on stage with family, so sometimes the fighting family <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely man uh um yeah it, it's a privilege man to be still doing this and this with the same guys uh all these years later i don't i don't personally take that for granted and um it's just an amazing feeling obviously you know not every gig is uh perfect but uh we're playing a gig uh about a month ago, and the sound man had been in this venue for 10 years, and he he came to us after the show. He's like, I've been here 10 years, and I've never heard a band louder than you guys. Like, <laughs> I think it's loud for no reason. It's just like, let's just be fucking loud. Yeah, yeah. Oshawa, Ontario was beyond. There was just no reason for that kind of volume. <laughs> yeah, we're just... We're just Let's be loud. Half the bar walked outside and watched us from the window on the street while they had cigarettes outside. You know, it was just insane. You know, we thought like, wow, maybe they don't like us or something. But no, they we got off the stage and the guys you go like, you guys are insanely loud, man. What the hell? Just to give you an idea of how loud it gets on this stage, I played in a lot of bands, but this is the only band I've ever played in as a drummer where I unplug the monitor because I don't need it. I don't, I don't want anything in that monitor. Like, I, I hear the click, and I already hear the amps like in front of me bleeding throughout the room and everything. It's just—it's so stupid. Okay, so in, in other words, we will never, we will never book Playhouse in an acoustic bar ever. No, no. God. Because um, I actually, I actually played in a place. Mark was, Mark was there for this one. We were in an acoustic bar called the the Orange Bear. Right. And. Now, oh, mind God, you, mind you, there is an apartment's distance of ten feet in between the bar and the people that are living up on the third floor. Right. And at ten o'clock at night, they came down and they were like, "What the hell is going on down here? We can hear this shit up on the third floor, in the back of the apartment building." So I know, with being loud, I, I can totally understand that. Uh, it, it's it's an amazing feeling though, because if you're loud, then you're not heard. If you're not loud, you're not heard. And being well, loud is definitely wanting to be heard. I think we're all in the we're same good. age group where when we used to go to the concerts in the, like the '80s and even in the early '90s, the volumes were just unbearingly loud. It, it was. Yeah. I remember seeing White Snake, and it was just I was deaf for three days. But now you go to a show, and maybe it's over the years I've lost my hearing, but I find <laughs> it's way more controlled, and you can like have conversations. Even oh, yeah. at metal shows, I went to see Cradle of Filth, and I'm talking over oh. the music. I was like, I shouldn't be able to do this. <laughs> I was at a show once here in Brooklyn, half-empty stadium, Def Leppard. 
And my friend lives across the street, and we were so loud. He was on like the 10th floor, and he heard us. <laughs> we how loud the show was. It was amazing. We felt everything. It was a great show. Right. Yeah, I, I miss that. Well, the, the last loud, loud band I saw was Motorhead, and since then I haven't seen anything that's really. Maybe they were the one, the final nail in the coffin for my ears. But oh, <laughs> I, I think Playhouse would be man. I mean, my God, we're just so stupid, loud, crazy. I mean, our sound man at the last show, he he, he kind of opened my ears, so to speak, when he the volume I noticed was actually lower on stage than it is at our jam room. Right. So, um, you know, I had a talk with the band after saying maybe we should, you know, start jamming at this level. And we've been trying, but, you know, a few more jams since then, we're back to being motorhead loud again. We just can't escape it. And we just blast the hell out of everything. Well, we can't hear anymore, so we got to feel it. The only way to do that <laughs> is to turn it up. <laughs> so before, before we get into the track, um, I, I do have like a few little questions here because I, again, had the experience that you did probably for not as long of a period. Um, when it when you guys took the break, how was it when you actually guys came back? Like, the, Obviously, you had the experience from playing uh, and, and jamming out earlier. But what did you take from the earlier spot before the break to now that makes the sound a lot more unique? Um, well, for me, in that break, I got signed to quite a big record deal overseas and uh, was writing more 90-sounding music. So when we got back, to, when we decided, when we started writing songs in 2014, um, me personally, I brought it more, more maturity in a way that I learned a lot more about songwriting. Um, and um, obviously, we're older guys, right? So, you know, um, I went to bed too late, got up too soon, didn't really apply anymore, right? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I go to bed at fucking 830, right? So... Um, it's not very rock and roll, but we're older men. So, you know, we have different subjects, subjects we talk about and everyone's just better players. Right. So, yeah. I think I went in the opposite direction. The band I was last in before rejoining Playhouse again, or us hooking back up again. Uh, I think that band was more about drinking and drinking on stage and just drinking all the time it was insane that band was out of control it was a band called easy johnny and uh we were just out of control completely and um so that was chaos compared to playhouse being a much more organized band and has direction you know easy johnny was just straight up uh, alcohol and, and trying not to fall down and that's saying something because this band is highly dysfunctional. <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine how easy Johnny was. Right? It was I was just gonna crazy. say, you know, like after I think that one thing that you perfected over the the long hiatus was was perfecting the art of being dysfunctional. <laughs> I, think, uh, I grew up in a together. very uh, abusive household, so this is like right at home for me. <laughs> Getting back together after all these years, I think when I first laid eyes on everybody at the jam room, I was just, I guess I was kind of stunned as they were too, because we, you know, we had aged all considerably since the last time we had seen each other in person. So when I first walked up and see Pete standing there, I'm, I, for just a moment, I didn't recognize him, you know, I'm like, who the hell's this guy, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, that's Pete, like, holy shit, you know? And so, and I'm sure, you know, look at me. I mean, I look like the guy in the bucket of chicken now, so. You know, uh, I think it took them about two weeks to realize I wasn't Sam. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I was going through puberty when you guys were first around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. You were, uh, that was a long time ago, man. I was still in high school in 87. Oh, I'm old, man. Now that, that we, we were still in high school when we started the band, so well, I was only in junior high when you guys started. The band. I'm the baby of the band. I was only in junior high when you guys started, so you know, like it, it, it. it we, I, I think we probably all grown up that way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have we have champagne loaded. Give us a little bit of a uh, outlook about the track, what it went into. Well, I think I'll I'll tell you the story. So. The catalyst, or the inception, or the the sperm of the song, um, happened one night. Me and uh, our bass player, Danny, we had a couple of glasses of red wine, and uh, he picked up the guitar, started playing his chord progression, and I'm just literally, I, I'm 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 literally singing a Monty Python joke kind of thing. A woman, you stand out, champagne. And like, I, I'm i very, uh, I tape everything we work on. Anything that ever comes up, I pull up my phone and I record it. And then uh, I asked Danny to replay it and send me the chord progression. And uh, I threw a couple of lyrics on it and a melody and we left it for like over a year. And then when we're... We're going to do this record, our producer, Kevin Jardine. He said, I want to hear everything you guys worked on, everything you guys have come up with. And we submitted 36 song ideas, and this was number one, actually, or number two. And in my mind, we've already, this. there's no way in hell this song is going to be in the record. Not because it's not going to be in the record, just because there's no way I was going to let it on the record. Because it was a joke. And literally when Kevin heard it, he's like, this has to be on the record. And I'm like, no. Uh, and then Eric heard the song. Now, Eric's like... I fell in love with it. Yeah, he fell in love. He's like, dude, this has to be on the record. Steve as well. Steve was like, yeah, man, this is pretty quirky, you know? And for 11 months... Because it took us a long time to do this record because of COVID. I literally fought everyone on it. I'm like, this is not going to be on the record. <laughs> we tracked the drums, and I'm still like, this is not going to be on the record. That was the last song I tracked. Yeah, because I was so resistant to it because I was like, it's a joke. Why is it on the record? It was meant as a joke. And here we are. It got released this morning, and it ain't no joke no more. It's definitely... Um, the stand the standalone song on the record. Um, I think that's so, yeah, why I like it so much. Everything else is 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 a lot darker, and this one is quirky. So almost this is kind of like that little bit of fresh air, and then you're like, okay, now we're gonna suffocate you the rest of the record. Is that what it's like? Doing? It's like ice cream yeah. man, you know? Like when ice cream man comes on a background record, you're like, what the fuck? Same kind of vibe, you know? Well, we're going to play Champagne for everybody. This is by Playhouse. We hope you guys are enjoying the interview. And when we come back, we're going to go through the uh, five questions of death that I normally just kill every band with when we do the interview. Don't be worried about it. Trust me. 
These are very creative <laughs> questions. This is Pipe Bomb Radio NYZ. And it goes a little something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it goes a little something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna see the moon and start for you and turn your eyes from green into blue.
this is Lynn from Sound Machine FM, and you're listening to Pipe Bomb Radio NYC. Champagne by Playhouse, and we're joined today. We got the guys on the show, Eric, Steve, and Peter. Dude, that track is amazing. Why would you not want to have that on the album? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Just weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, everyone seems to really like it. Um, I don't know, man. Like is what it is. I mean, I, li- I, I kind of like it now. Kind of. Um, it's growing on me. I mean, to me, it definitely catches it catches a lot of people off guard, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but I'm going to tell like you... Like me? I, well, I, I, I like the guitar riffs, first off. <laughs> um... I love the guitar riffs. I love the drum tracks, and I, I there's a lot of seamless transition within in the song, which is yeah. really great. I mean, the, the sound is amazing. I, I mean, it, it, again, really, when I first when I first heard it, I was like, "Wow, this is really good." And Thanks, man. I, and it, and there's a strange kazoo sound in there. It almost reminds me of that thing in in the vocal track from Running with the Devil. Yeah. Every now and then, I don't know what that thing is, but it's it's so annoying. It works. <laughs> but I mean, it's a. I mean, definitely. There I, it is. The song is so annoying that it, it fucking. Works. <laughs> <laughs> I have this story. Like I, I used to always like whenever a song would get really big, I, I used to, I used to hate these songs that would become super popular, and I. I have this theory that if I hate it, it's going to be successful. So I think, you know, this song irritates me. So it's probably going to be a hit. <laughs> All right. So I do this with a lot of interviews. A lot of people are a little caught off guard with with how we do this, but it's in a way to, it's a good way to kind of get like the little like weird quirks of getting to know actual band members. So yeah. it, I call these the five questions of death because everybody just was like, "What would you really call it?" And since this is a show called Pipe Bomb Radio NYC, and we are extremely improv, I just decided it as the five questions of death. Okay, first question, I'll work my way around. You go to the diner, you order a burger. The choice of fries that you get, curly fries, waffle fries, or regular? Dude, regular, what the fuck? You guys better say, you guys better say the same shit as me, bro. Well, I guess I'll be different then. I'm going with waffle fries. Yeah. I've never had a waffle fry. What the hell's a oh waffle fry? Oh my god, you've never had they a waffle fry. They actually have them at McDonald's now. Oh. No, what's a waffle fry? What's the difference? Okay, so imagine your regular standard breakfast waffle. Well, it's not round like the waffle, but it's the same design as the waffle with all they the little squares in it. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah, How about my good. curly fries? Do I get them seasoned? Yes, you can have them seasoned. I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, second question. You're just you, you've just arrived to the venue. What is your pre-show like uh setup? Like routine. Like do you have like the Wade Boggs I eat chicken before every baseball game type routine? Like what would that be? We do the Wade Boggs uh, drink, was it 57 beers on an airplane? (laughs) (laughs) Ever seen that Sunny in Philadelphia episode where they do the Wade Boggs challenge? Yes. It's fucking brilliant. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I don't know. Like, for me, I really hate those days where you get the sound check at like one o'clock or load ins at like one o'clock, but you don't play till like ten, and you're like, oh, what am I gonna do for the next bunch of hours? If it's a bar I haven't played at out of town, I like to look around the room and and see it's you know who's left markings on the walls, see that the posters, the stickers, all that stuff. I like. I like these dingy bars that have a lot of history, you know. But uh, yeah, I don't really have an actual ritual, I don't think, other than try and stay awake and sober. <laughs> For me, is I lock myself in the dressing room and I'll just, you know, practice guitar right up until the time of the show, pretty much. So I get the fingers all warmed up and and uh, no chicken before the show. I don't eat much of anything, really. I kind of stay light on stage. To find you eat anything, you start to sweat it out on stage even more that we're already sweating to death as it is. So um, I guess that's one ritual that I don't do. A lot of the guys go out to eat. Usually I just hide in the dressing room and play guitar pretty much or... Well, one show we did, we were there so bloody early. I took a nap in the in the uh, opening band's dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Pete? Every gig, I make sure there's wa- wa- Wi-Fi so that I can watch Pornhub just before I go on. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Priorities, bro. Priorities. Okay, so so I won't say that you stroke the bone before you go on stage, right? <laughs> I stroke the mic stand. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, just in case you have not ever heard this show before, there there is no uh, censoring on this thing. Nothing. We are just pure all out there. Why do you wait to the end to tell us these things? <laughs> <laughs> just put it this like way: a lot of construction. Oh, By the I, way, you just hit potholes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's well. I don't know. I haven't seen the the dirt signs lately uh, when I've been up to Montreal. But uh, okay, so question number three: late night go to snack at a gig or just or in any general, time. any anywhere. Me, it's popcorn. It's always been popcorn since I was a kid. Love it. You know, extra butter, whatever. I'll take it dry. Uh, popcorn and more popcorn. Yeah. I had some last night, actually. <laughs> I play gigs almost every night, so my ritual normally is get out of the bar at three and look for the next bar that's open. <laughs> and I get home around five or six in the morning, and then I got to hunt down whatever who's still making greasy cheeseburgers to get over my hangover the next day. <laughs> I that. It's amazing I that I stayed this skinny, to be honest with you, with the crap that I eat. I think it's the, the Jameson. I, I have a theory about Jameson. A lot of guys say, oh, drinking makes you fat. I'm like, ah, if you drink whiskey and you drink enough of it, you're going to throw up. And if you don't, it's thin. It's thinner than beer, right? So yeah. I think that's why I stick to whiskey for the most part. But it's the uh, the greasy burgers. I'm a drummer, and I you know I do a lot of guitar gigs, so I'm always lugging gear around. That must be what keeps me like, kind of not fat. <laughs> Pete, what about you? <laughs> Late night snacks. Yes. Oh, there you go. That'll look great at video. <laughs> um, it, obviously, we can't we can obviously show that one on the radio, but it's great. I love it. Tastes great. That's filling. There you go. A lot of protein. Um, there you go. 
Okay, question number four. If you were to have a show right now with someone from with a with an artist from the past, who would it be? Keith Moon. Definitely Keith Moon. That's endless entertainment right there. I'm not understanding the question. Like a, a show that we would open for to or? think of an artist a, a show that you would want to be on with an artist from the past but as oh, individuals like or as a band show. well think, think of like uh bands that aren't currently doing anything right now let's say maybe like 90s and back oh boy man zeppelin <laughs> yeah that's a good one yeah, I, I mean, definitely. I don't know if I'd want to be on that bill because you're going to get the stage cleaned with you. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's say uh, let's pick a really shit band <laughs> to make myself look better. That's <laughs> ah, a tough one, man. Um, I don't know. Maybe Ramones. That's maybe actually Ramones. Great, that's actually a great choice. You know, I've always loved the Ramones. Yeah, I saw them once before they. <laughs> Uh, for me, um, my time of the cliche. G -G but def <laughs> def definitely Elvis. Yeah, that's a good one. Definitely the king, man. See? Because while he was on stage, you know what I'd be doing? Yes. <laughs> Telling all the ladies I'm his manager, you know? Yes. Yeah. Well, you definitely well, would be a better... I think you would be, be a better fill-in than the uh, character that Tom Hanks played in the Elvis movie. Because uh, I don't have you think seen it? I, I have seen it. It is it's it's it was on sneak preview. Um, obviously because I do radio and stuff, I get the stuff ahead of time. Yeah. It's a good movie. Um, I don't think it really depicts him very well in some some aspects. But I um, the actor doesn't look a hell of a lot like him. But I do like the actor. The the sound in the show is actually in, in the movie is really good. Um, I was actually very shocked at how they kind of redid it all, but. Like the depiction for me is not like the perfect thing. Like watching all the old. What do you mean? What do you mean? Games. Like, because I know a lot about the story. So, like, the story was wrong, or did the depiction of it was wrong? I think a little bit of the, the depiction was wrong. Like in certain, like certain things, like when he played venues or whatever. Like, for example, there's one where he goes into an actual stadium. Like they bring him in the car in the stadium. Right. Like I think that was kind of overly aggressively done. Right, the way that they they presented him coming in in the car with the cop car and and everything right. else, because it wasn't anything close to that. Right. But when you did see he ever it, even play a stadium? He did play a stadium. He played yeah. quite a few. But again, like I think they kind of, in some points, they over exaggerated parts of the actual story. Yeah, that's same thing with the Freddie Mercury. They I, you know they take artistic liberties to make the story more and remember the if it's not interesting enough, right? They're trying also to get that 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 young audience, right? Because we're all old guys, so we we know what it was like. But obviously, they're trying to capture the 20, 20 somethings, you yes. know. So the oily, the, the the new age teeny boppers, exactly. So how do they, how the hell will they know what happened in 1950, 55, right? So, but even though I wasn't even born around then, I don't think I was even thought of. Um, like it, to to know that history from. Being at that early age, even in like the late seventies, early eighties, when I grew up, like to see all of that, and then to see the progression of what they have now is kind of the uh, like the afterthought, I would say. Yeah, it's getting it's getting uh, it's getting whitewashed a bit over the years. You know, the legend's bigger than 
legend. It's kind of like the telephone game. Right. That's the way I kind of see it. Okay. Yeah. Question five. I asked about the past. If you were o- were to open for a, open or be on a card for a show now, who would you want to be on with? I I would think maybe uh, you know Paul McCartney or something really over the top. Because Paul McCartney was probably my favorite concert ever, and just to to say that I I shared a stage with something like that. That'd be pretty nuts, right? Oh yeah, because I, I, I mean I, that's like watching, you know, like as John Lennon said, "We're bigger than God." I mean, I went to see McCartney, and, and there was a woman saying with a banner saying, "I saw you in '64," and then ten feet away from her, there was like this kid, not even ten years old. So just the the, the amount of people that this guy's impacted over his life—it's just nuts. It's nuts. Bigger than any other artist, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and maybe maybe Elvis, but Elvis is not alive. You know, so like living rock star, <laughs> man, Paul McCartney. All right, we do have good uh, comments in the uh, in our chat from Mr. Dave Canyon, who is a really great friend of mine. Um, he absolutely loves the track, by the way. Um, Thanks, thank, thank you, buddy. He also did comment, "Why do we even need an Elvis movie? Who doesn't know the story already? It's been told right. hundreds of t- hundreds of times." Yeah, right. true. There's so many others that they could make movies about. Well, I, again, I think if uh, if I were higher in the industry, I would not be sitting there saying, okay, we need to have the same um, Elvis stories or the same Beatles stories or if, like, even in, like, professional wrestling or what they call now sports entertainment, um, I don't think we need to say the same story about, like, Andre the Giant 700 times or, no. you know, like, it, it's, it's... Or even Batman. I mean, how many times do we need to hear the story retold, but... I think Pete makes a good point, though. There's there's a generation like we're older and we've been there, we've seen it. But like, there's kids that like they think Nirvana is classic rock. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding. Like I've been like when I play these pubs, people request old stuff, and it makes me feel really old because this is like my later years of music. Yeah. Well, it's kind of crazy because yeah. we have the oldie station here in New York, and I'm used to listening to 50s, 60s, and 70s on it. And if I turn on the station now, I hear Metallica or Who Do You the Blowfish or even Van Halen. I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah. how did or that roses. Or, or how did that suddenly become oldies? And then you yeah, have to well, really kind of think about it. And you're like, you're in the year 2022. That well, technically is like 30 years old. We're listening to now their yeah. new version of the oldies. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah, I feel like that when I hear somebody say, oh, yeah, some classic Pearl Jam. I'm like, really? <laughs> so what does that make me? You know, a dinosaur? I think, I think my last girlfriend was only born, like, when Kurt Cobain died. So, <laughs> and R.H. Cap was pretty big, you know? So let that sink in, you know? <laughs> I remember when Kurt Cobain died. I was in high school. Pretty wacky. But, yeah, Elvis is like, that's folklore to a, to a kid these days, really. Yeah, that's crazier than black and white TV to them, you know. Yeah, had one of those. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, we lived through all the rotary phones and everything. Yeah, rotary phones. Yeah. We're gonna throw it back to Lars. Lars, you got any final questions for the gentleman? I keep losing my internet, but um, have you? Ah, we lost him again. <laughs> oh, we lost two minutes. Yeah, he's he, he the internet is uh, really crazy out in Sweden. So uh, let me see if I can get him to uh, throw me the question here, and then uh, we'll see it. Mark, you have anything for the uh, for the guys? You. 
I just want to thank you guys for coming on the show. It's been a whole lot of fun talking to you guys and getting to know you guys. And the track was amazing. That's a real. Are you down in New York? I'm in Brooklyn. Yes. Bro, we're coming next year, and I expect you to be on the guest list. And uh, we can share a, share a hot dog or a drink or well, I'll definitely coming down to your part of the world to do some shows. Yeah. Oh, most I'd definitely. Yeah, definitely. Me and Rick, me, me and Ricky, me and Ricky don't live too far from each other. We're coming down, bro. We're probably gonna call you call you guys up, and uh, you know we'll get our label RFL to uh, reach out and Sam Bone to reach out and. Let's get some down there, man. Well, see, this oh, is wow. this is this is the thing that I, I I said this on the last interview we had, um, and we interviewed a band from Sweden, believe it or not, like where Lars is, and um, I I said to I said to everybody like I, if I had the actual bank account to be sitting there saying, hey, I would travel around, um, as as great as doing a lot of the online interviews are, like I really I really would love to sit down and bullshit with everybody that we have on the show to me it's more personable like you kind of you kind of get the real feel of being able to do an interview in person and again like i love that fact i I love to be hanging out um kind of maybe relive like the whole backstage oh shit i'm hanging out with the band deal like to me that's like the more unique thing out of doing all of these interviews and getting to know the bands so when you guys come down, definitely I am absolutely, there. Man. I'm there, absolutely. absolutely. A little baseball game or something, man. Oh, yeah, that yeah. would be awesome, man. Um, Lars's well, question cool. because we kind of did we lose can't him. Can't take Ricky to the Yankees. That's no good. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to go to Studio Fifty Four. Oh boy! Oh, uh, we need a time machine for that. Yeah. We, for that yeah, matter, we could take problem. we could take you to where Lamores used to be. Nice. Lamores is used to be really big. Um, Lars's question because we kind of did lose him. Um, I, I apologize for that. The internet in Sweden's kind of uh, crazy. He goes, "If um, if you guys haven't already, would you play over in Europe?" Okay, good question. Let me answer that. We are coming to Europe. In my, I, I I'm literally the instigator of pretty much everything. In the band, like, I suggest something and they tell me no. I suggested again. So we have some friends down here that Steve's good, good friends with, and they've been doing Europe a lot. And, uh, dude, we're coming to Sweden, bro. Yeah. We are coming. We're coming to Europe. Uh, we're hoping next year. Um, we're working on it. We're working on a few things, but Europe is definitely top five of the cards for uh, places to play. Sweet. And it's to my understanding that Everywhere in the world, the Swedish chef is the Swedish chef, except for in Sweden, he's the Norwegian chef. Is that isn't that true? Yeah. If so, I want a Norwegian chef T-shirt. <laughs> you gotta have one, man. They gotta have one. No, uh, you know what the funny thing is, guys? I am a chef. Oh yeah. Nice. Oh nice. Yeah. Yeah, but, he's, but he's the New York chef. He's he's not yeah. the Swedish chef. No, no, I cook here in New York. He he's not nice. he's not the prototypical one that you would see on the Muppets. I can put it here. So do <laughs> no Scurgy Virgie, no, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't think you heard us, but we're coming to Europe. We're coming to Sweden. Yeah. Get Thursday. ready. When? Get when? your people ready. Get we're your coming. meatballs ready. <laughs> yes. Get, let's, man, we're let's coming. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Perfect. 
Yeah. So the Dave Canyon knows about the uh, WCBS FM here in New York because uh, he's a New Yorker. He goes, it's a different station than what it used to be. And then he goes, what do you think they would make a movie of next? Would be uh, uh, pretty interesting. Listen, I would love to be on that part. I, I, I do very well on the video production and the uh, editing. So, you know. Do you? Yes, I do. In fact, uh, I, 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 I told Sam this, but I didn't tell you guys. There will be an actual video version of this interview. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be released over the weekend. Um, I just have to do a little bit of tweaking on uh, certain things. But uh, you guys will have the video out on YouTube to, uh, over the weekend. Um, it was an honor and a pleasure to have you guys on. I, I really cannot wait. all of you um, on behalf of the band and the label for supporting artists like ourselves and putting the time into it. We appreciate it, man. More power to you, yeah? Thank you. Uh, I, Thank you so much for having us, man. I, I, I'll i be honest with you guys. I don't, I, I don't think a lot here. of, I don't think a lot of people actually understand what Pipe Bomb Radio NYC really is. It's not only a show where we come on and joke around that we play music and we bullshit for two hours, three hours, whatever. Uh, but the whole purpose is, is that we are an independent radio show. Like a lot of people don't understand that. And together with the bands, because we have a we have a roster of like 14 bands that send us music regularly. As soon as we get it, it's usually on the air like the next time we are on. And um I I, I like again, like we have pressure on. Uh Sam has sent us quite a few bands, so we are kind of welcoming you to the Pipe Bomb Radio family. Um don't be a stranger, please, because again, we're all in that we're all in the kind of like the same fight. Like I always ask Absolutely. what the next level is. And for us to tag team to get to that next level is the bigger accomplishment than anything else we could ever really do. Well, that's awesome, man. So guys, please do not be a stranger. If you need to, you can always hit me up on Facebook or if you, if you need to call or BS or whatever, like I'm usually always around because thanks, brother, appreciate it. The independent bands mean a lot more to me than anything else. Like it makes me feel so much better at heart. Cool, man. Thanks, thanks God for you guys, man. Plus, plus, Paul and Gene don't need the cash anymore. So. No, 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 no. But I certainly <laughs> do. You know, I could uh, totally uh, appreciate that part. Again, we have Playhouse on the show. Thank you guys so much for being here. I really tremendously appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, man. All right. Horns up. There you go. Rock and roll, guys. All right. We're going to play a track, and then when we come back, we're going to uh, close out the uh, live concert series. We are going to play uh, some cheap trick. Oh, yeah. We'll come back. We'll close out the show. Pipe Bomb Radio NYC, your home for music and entertainment every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Spreaker.com.